But turn in your Bible with me over to Matthew chapter 5, and we are going to continue in a series that we've started and have been in for some time. This is part six of the series of living in the light and loving it. And we base this series out of some things that Jesus said. You know, He declared that, He said, I am the light of the world, but He didn't just stop there. He actually went on and and He said some other really um, amazing things because when you and I look at each other, we might not at first believe it. But once we look into the Word and we see each other through the Word, then suddenly it becomes very believable. And so in Matthew 5, if you'll look in, actually let's go to verse uh, 13. Usually we start in verse 14. This time let's start in, in verse 13. And Jesus made this statement. He said, you are the salt of the earth. Someone say, I am salty. I am salty. You are the salt of the earth. See, what does salt do? Salt is a type of covenant. And you can find this in, in Leviticus, actually in Numbers 8. 18, 19, um, in 1 Kings 2, 20 and 21, 2 Chronicles 13, 5, you can all find that salt is a type of covenant. In fact, every sacrifice had to have some salt in it. And salt is a, a preservative, right? It preserves. And, and so it says, you are the salt of the earth. Well, let's say it a different way. You are the preserver in the earth. Preserving. Unto the day of judgment. We, you and I, being, well, let's just keep reading here and it'll become more plain. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but thrown out and trampled on by men. And then he says, You are the light of the world. Someone say, I am, I am. the light of the world. Says you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. Notice whose light he's talking about? Your light. Let your light shine before men, so that they will see your good works. So you're supposed to do your good works so that men see them. But the next line's pretty important. It's not to bring you glory and honor. It's to bring Him glory and honor. It says, and give glory. They're going to see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven because they recognize that light in you comes from Him. Now you're simply like in front of a mirror reflecting the light of God's glory right back out everywhere else. And so, let's just say that. Say, I am the light of the world. My light shines brightly. I will let it shine through my good works so that people may see it and give glory to God. That's important. You start taking the glory for yourself and not going to be a good day for you. Well, hold on a minute. Let me get my electronics to cooperate. Let's go over to Philippians. Flip over to Philippians and let's go to chapter 2. Now, we've I'll just quote it to you, but out of James we used it as a text as well where he says that you know, we need to be doers of the word, not hearers only. 
deceiving ourselves. So someone say, I am the light of the world. And I do the Word. Here in Philippians chapter 2, you'll look in verse 13. He says, for it is God who is working in you. Look at your neighbor and say, the Father God is working in you. Then he says, here's why, what He's doing in you. He's enabling you both to will and to act for His good purpose. We could say it a different way. He is enabling you to desire, have the will, have the desire to do it and to act on it. Enabling you to be a doer of the Word, not a hearer only. So he, He's working in you. He's enabling you. You know, Scripture says that we are working with Him. Or that He's working with us. And that we are co-laborers with God. So we're working together. And he says God is working in you, enabling you both to will and to act for. Why? For His good purpose. Not your good purpose. His good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure. Children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. Or some translations say lights. You shine like lights in the world. So you and I were created to be luminaries. To be lights. To shine. We were created to shine the glory of the Gospel. To shine the glory of our Father. We are, have been made into His image. We are His image bearers in the earth. And we are to act and walk and behave like the Father. You know, Scripture says, be imitators of God. That means you're acting like Him. You've been made in His image, so now we're going to behave like Him. In the, I'll read the Passion Translation to you on these same verses. I really like it. It just says it so beautifully. It says, God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases Him. See, the will to will and do. Implanting within you the passion to do what pleases Him. Live a cheerful life without complaining or division among yourselves. For then, you will be seen as innocent, faultless, and pure children of God, even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture. For you will appear among them as shining lights in the universe. Shining lights. And have, you know, the world has as much sense as a bug. You know that? They'll come to the light. They'll come to the light. So let's say this by faith. Even if, if in the past you haven't felt like this was true for you. Starting tonight. Here looking forward. Calling things that be not as though they be. Alright, let's by faith declare this. Say, I'm a doer of the Word of God. I walk in His light. And therefore I am the light of the world. I shine brightly. My works shine with the brightness of God's glory. And I represent the character of my Father accurately and with joy. I live in His light and I love it. Hallelujah. Alright, let's, let's go over to Acts chapter 1. And... We had asked and we had answered 
through multiple scriptures the question of well, how do I live in the light? And we've, we looked at different aspects of that. So today we're just going to continue in answering that question. And we're going to begin in Acts chapter uh, 1, chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus is speaking to the disciples and He makes this statement. He says, You will receive power when or after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Everyone say, upon you. The Holy Spirit in you and the Holy Spirit on you are two different things. And we can go through Scripture, we can go through the book of Acts and repeatedly see that happening. That when they were, the Holy Spirit in them was to lead, direct, guide them. The Holy Spirit on them was to empower them to do something. And if we keep reading, it tells us exactly what that something is. And He will be upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So empowered to be a witness. Power of God that comes on you as the Holy Spirit comes on you so that you can testify to something. Be a witness to something. You know, the definition of this word witness is real interesting. Some of you may not like it. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. And if you're a Greek scholar in the house, then you might know. But the word is comes the word witness comes from the word martos, martus, martos, something like that. Here's what it means: a martyr. Oh, I'm empowering you to be a martyr. Huh, no shouting, no amens, just silence. Maybe I need to give an altar call for salvation. Who wants to sign up to be a martyr? Well, when you're going to die to yourself and live for Him, you may be a martyr, but there's more. The word means more than just martyr. It means to be a witness, and, and that is in a judicial sense, like judge, jury, trial. You're a witness of something, and um, you are bearing record of something. Something that occurred. Well, he's telling the disciples here that you're going to be witnesses. But you know, if we're going to be witnesses or martyrs for him, we're going to need his empowerment to do it. Because in our own flesh, we're pretty weak beings. But with him, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Even if it means being a martyr. I mean, what are we willing to die for? What are you willing to die for? Are you willing to give your life for the gospel? Yep, a few. They're, they're flesh, yeah. Power to be a witness. Let's say that. He empowers me. He enables me. And gives me all that I need to be an effective witness for Him. Power to be a witness to, be, to really to be a truthful witness. See, a witness that comes and stands in the witness stand and lies, this is problems, isn't it? I mean, it, it creates trouble for other people, it creates trouble for themselves. In fact, Proverbs said that a true witness, a truthful witness, saves lives. A truthful witness saves lives. 
And so we can say, well, yeah, in a, in a judge, in a courtroom, you know, if someone is a truthful witness and they're testifying and they say the truth, they could save someone's life. But did you know that you and I, just being a witness of what you and I have witnessed with our Lord and Savior, what He's done for you, because you're a witness of that, if you just share that, well, in the same way, that can save people's lives. Being a truthful witness. You know, we, we look at these things and we go, well, the, the Lord, he, you know, He's saying that He's going to empower them to be a witness. Notice it doesn't say He's going to empower them to be preachers. See, let, let's understand, the way we use the word preachers today isn't really the way it's used in Scripture when it's used. Because when we use the word preachers, we're often talking about people that have been ordained into the ministry, into the fivefold, and they stand in a pulpit and they speak. And so we think preacher. But the word preacher actually means proclaimer. Someone who's proclaiming. Someone, let's make it real simple, someone who's telling something. Telling something. And so here he says, you're called to be my witnesses. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of what they've seen and heard. Remember Paul when he's on the way to Damascus for all that persecution? Now, understand that Paul thinks he is doing the Lord a service. He thinks that he is doing the right thing. He has zeal for the law. He's been trained as a Pharisee. He's gotten permission. He's taken the, he's taken the right steps of order. You know, he stays in rank and authority. He goes to, the, to, to his elders, his Pharisees, his leaders, and says, I'd like to, you know, take care of this issue. So they enable him and they give him a letter to go down to Damascus and to get rid of these crazy Christians. Well, on the way down there, you know the story of how the bright light shines and Paul falls down on the ground and he's blinded and he hears the voice and the Lord speaks to him and says, Paul, Paul. And he's like, yeah, Lord, who are you? And why are you persecuting me? And, and all this conversation back and forth. Well, for the rest of Paul's life, Paul, you can read it in the book of Acts, he goes into situation after situation, in particular in front of kings and judges and, and, and queens, and he would be a witness to what he experienced a witness to what he saw and heard. And he would tell them the story of what happened to him and how the Lord spoke to him and, and what he was an eyewitness of. See, we are eyewitnesses or in some cases earwitnesses of what the Lord has done for us personally. You know, just this week, some of you, uh, maybe if you weren't here at the Landmark, you, might, you wouldn't have known it, but... My son Adrian broke his arm over there playing football with a bunch of them. You know, and we did what we do in this house. We laid hands on him, we prayed, we believed God for healing, and his arm still hurts. So I took him to the doctor, and they x-ray it, and they showed me the x-ray, and I've seen broken bones before, and it looked very broken on the x-ray, all right? And they said that, yeah, it's broken, and that, you know, they're going to put the cat, they put on a... Uh, uh, um, splint a hard splint they call it and that the next day we were supposed to go to the orthopedic specialist and they were going to look at it and then determine what type of cast it needed and so of course as you can imagine orthopedic specialist just sounds expensive <laughs> and so we come back here and we're still believing for healing and and for it his arm to work right because he couldn't move it and um we, after the service, we were talking, and, and we, my wife and I were talking about the finance end of it, 
And she said, well, let's just believe God that, and that then we don't have to go to the, the specialist. Well, I said, yeah, let's believe God for complete healing, but I want confirmation from the doctor that it's healed. Because see, miracles will stand up under a microscope. You can examine them, and if it really is healed, then the doctor will see it's healed too. But see, I'm thinking, we'll go, still go, they'll take another x-ray, and it'll be fine that way. Well, that's what, what we said, what we prayed, what we believed. We go home, and he still hurts. He took painkiller to go to sleep. But what do you do? You just keep your faith plugged in, right? What am I telling you? An eyewitness account of something God has done for me and for him, for our family. And um, so the next morning, I was down in my office, and my phone rings, and I see it's the, the patient first place calling me where I had taken him, the urgent care place, and I almost didn't answer it. I'll be honest, I actually set my phone back when I saw who it was because I was studying and preparing a message for here. And um, because they probably are just some stupid survey or something about how do you like your service, blah, 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 you know, and follow-up call. And so I just set it back. And the Spirit of the Lord in the inside of me said, you need to answer that. And so I pick it up and answer it. And, oh, it's a nurse from down there. And she says, uh, hey, our x-ray technician has been uh, looking at this x-ray this morning and says that it's not broken at all. And that you really don't need to go to the specialist, but if you'd like to go and get a second opinion, you may. I said, well, so you're saying he doesn't need a cast? Well, yeah. I said, well, can we take the other thing off of him? I said, well, if it doesn't hurt, sure. So I go up, and Adrian was still laying in bed, and I give him the good news, and so he promptly unwraps and taking it off and moving. Hold up your hand, move it around. <laughs> But see, Adrian is an eyewitness account, has one, of what Jesus has done for him. And no one's ever going to be able to take that one away from him. And you and I are also eyewitness accounts of things that the Lord has done for us. And so we are witnesses to His goodness. Scripture says that the goodness of God leads us to repentance, but the way the goodness of God is often revealed is out of your mouth, of your testimony. You telling what good thing He's done for me. Maybe it's a simple thing. We, you know, sometimes we just simply underestimate the impact of, of our testimony. Even when it's simple. Hey, this is what the Lord did for me. You know, I, I, was, feeling, I was feeling really down and out and the Lord really told me, go read this Scripture verse. You know, and then you go read it and see, now you have testimony. And in fact, I'll just give you a personal one like that from myself. I'm so far out of my notes, but it's okay. It's the sermon. I was down in Texas in 2015. And uh, I was at a training event with all these executive protection people, right? And people that are from famous churches, name, church names that you'd rec recognize. And all these people are there that are in, on their security teams and they've been training and acting in executive protection for years and they're trained and they're good at what they do and... And I'm there as one of them to learn and go through this two-week course. I mean, I'm so far out of my league, you understand. A little Mennonite kid, now a pastor, standing in with these other executive protection guys. And we went through the first day of training, and they started us right into some Krav Maga training. And so 
not only, not only am I up against trained, experienced individuals, and we're training together, but they're all like 6'3", six, 6'5", six, and 300 pounds, and here I am, you know, all five, seven and a half of me, and, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to hang with them. And so I go home at the end of the day, or back to the hotel room, and the next, I, I go to sleep. The next morning I wake up, and I'm walking back and forth in my hotel room. I'm in there by myself. And uh, Apostle Dale actually came and went through the training with us, and he hadn't arrived yet. He arrived, I think, the second day or something like that. And so it was the first morning. I'm in, in the hotel room, room by myself, and I start praying. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, I, I really need you to help me because, I mean, I'm here training with all these guys that are these professionals, and I know nothing, and, and I have so much catch-up to do, and... And how, how can I even train with them? I almost feel like you know, it's a take on them that here I am training with them because they're not training with someone of their caliber. And the Lord said, go get your Bible. So I go over and He says, open up to the book of Ezekiel and read verse, read verse 8 of chapter 3. Now, i be honest with you. Uh, even though I'm a student of the Word, I had zero idea what was in Ezekiel 3, verse 8. Like, maybe I'm just hearing things. You know, Ezekiel 3, well, let's go see what's there. So I open it up, and this is what I find. He says, look, I have made your face as hard as their faces, and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. I'm like, yes, Lord! I'm listening! And can the Lord speak to us? Yeah! Yeah, did that minister to me? Oh yeah, I'm like I got the Lord's help now. Let's go train, and we had a great time, great two weeks of training. But but what am I saying? I'm saying this is my witness account of what happened to me. You can't make that up. The odds that you find that particular verse out of a verse of thousands, a book of thousands and thousands of verses, and I didn't even know what was in Ezekiel three at the time. It's just those are. Uh, impossible odds. However, I once heard a great man of God say, uh, the more you pray, the more coincidences you have. And so, uh, your personal witness account of what God has done for you is where this is at. And the Lord will enable you. He'll empower your words. He'll cause those words, your testimony, to absolutely ring true for, in them and for them. Let's go over to Revelations 12, chapter 10. No, no, Revelations 12, verse 10. It says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and authority of His Messiah have now come because the accuser of our brothers has been thrown out. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. So, so it's talking about the devil, right? He's been thrown out and he is called the accuser of the brothers. Verse 11 is where it's at. They conquered him. Well, how did they do that? By the blood of the Lamb and... He didn't just stop there. And by the word of their testimony. The word of their testimony. For they did not love their lives in the face of death. Talking about being martyrs and what would you die for? What do you believe strongly enough to die for it? That's a question we all need to answer. 
All of us have to cross that bridge before you reach that point. So just decide right now in your heart, you know what, I will never, I will never recant, I will never renounce my Lord and Savior. They can cut me into 142 pieces and mail me across the world, and He's still my Lord and Savior, and that's just how it's going to be. Right? Alright, so this word testimony. So by the blood of the Lamb, see your testimony coupled with the blood of the Lamb is going to defeat the devil. And the word testimony is interesting here because it means evidence given. It literally, it, it means evidence given. The word of the evidence given. And you have a first-hand account of the evidence of what God has done for you. You don't have to be some crazy hell's angels that overdosed 12 times, killed 14 people, was in terrible accidents, defied death, and finally met Jesus. You don't need that kind of testimony. All that you need is, what has He done for you? Yeah. Well, He... You know, all, we could keep each other here for weeks telling each other the stories of what God has done for us. That's what you are a witness of. Are you aware of the power of your witness? You know, let's go to Ephesians 5 and verse 8. Ephesians 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now, everyone say now, See, that was in the past. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, that darkness is now behind you. Don't give it any rights, any permission in your life. And when memory comes up of the past darkness, and maybe, maybe, no, you just go right ahead and say, nope, I put that darkness under the blood. I'm born again. I'm a child of the King. I've been recreated. All things are new. And go tell someone what God did for you. You know, when the devil tries to, to poke you in the eye, well, poke him right back with your testimony. They overcame him. How? By the word of their testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. There's power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power. That's miraculous power in the blood of the Lamb. See, there's power in that blood. And when you open your mouth and give witness to it, whoo! Watch out, devil. It overcomes him. Ephesians 5.8, we were beginning. He says, uh, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Walk as children of the light. The NIV says, live as children of light. For the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless work of darkness, but instead, this translation reads expose them. The word expose means rebuke or convict. Really, it means convince. Convince them. Let the light convince them. It says, for it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed, convicted, convinced by the light is made clear. For what makes everything clear is light. Therefore it is said, get up sleeper, rise up from the dead, and the Messiah will shine, shine on you. I'll read it to you out of the uh, Passion Translation again. Once your life was full of sin's darkness, but now you have the very light of the Lord shining through you because of your union with Him. The very light of the Lord shining through you. Your mission is to live as children flooded with His revelation light. I like that. 
flooded with His revelation light. Revelation giving light. Revealing light. Let's say it that way. Maybe that's more plain for you. His revealing light. Then you will learn to choose what is beautiful to our Lord. And don't even associate with the servants of darkness because they have no fruit in them. Instead, reveal truth to them. The very things they do in secret are too vile and filthy to even mention. Whatever the revelation light exposes, it will also correct. And everything that reveals truth is light to the soul. See, light reveals what is obscure and hidden. You know, you ever, I talked about this a few weeks ago, but you know, you grab your flashlight, a really bright light, and shine up in the corner, you'd be amazed how many cobwebs you see up in there that you just don't see with the normal light that's available to you. You know, you take your light and you shine it somewhere, and it reveals what's there. If the light didn't put the dirt there, the dirt was there all along, you just didn't know it because you didn't have the light to see it. But as soon as the light hits it, it, it reveals what is there. You know, occasionally people try to blame their condition of, of confusion on the light that you give them. You know, not long ago I was talking to someone about the gifts of the Spirit, and about two, two, two individuals really, and um, they, were, they were confused. They said, um, or she said, she asked this question about the gifts of the Spirit and said, I don't understand it, and um, what do you all think? And so I presented with verse after verse after verse after verse of what that is. I mean, you know me. I you know, give you three points, and each point has 66 verses from 12 different places, and, you know, because we're students of the Word. And so I present light, because God's Word is light. I present light to her. That light exposes further confusion on the subject. To the point that she actually says, well, I wasn't confused until, until you tried to explain it. No, you were confused all along. The light of God's Word just revealed your confusion. right? And that's often what happens when you believe a lie or, or are even self-deceived on something and suddenly the light of God's Word exposes all you want to go, oh, so sit up, take notice. And take a look at it, examine it, and allow the light of God's Word to show accurately what's actually there. See, your light, because you are the light of the world, will convince, will convict. See that, that Scripture that says the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, of judgment, of righteousness? Will convict the world. That means convince. Will convince them of their sin. Convince them of their need for God's righteousness. And so here, we're just saying the same thing. The light that's in you, which is now your light, will convince people around you of their need for that light. You know, I remember when I used to work in the construction field. In fact, Jay and I used to work together up in Aspen. And I remember one time in particular, we were working at this job site. And if you're familiar with, with construction sites, you know, the, the language sometimes there would make sailors blush. Right? And it's just really bad, and the jokes are horrible, and the language is just really bad. So, um, we don't come into this place with telling people that we're pastors, telling people that we're believers, nothing. We're just there, working. And these people, they would say something horrible and then turn and look at us and, oh, I'm sorry guys. Why are they apologizing? We didn't say anything, Right? But it's just the light of God on the inside of you convinces people of their sin, convicts them. And we had that happen so many times. 
it was it was quite comical sometimes. I remember one one particular time that happened. It was a new guy comes walking on the job. He says something horrible. He turns to me. He apologizes, and I said, "What? I didn't say anything." And <laughs> he goes, "Yeah, I know, but I probably shouldn't talk that way." And uh, you know, we got the love on him, and then that's an opportunity to actually share God's love to them. Philippians, let's go there. Chapter one. We were in chapter 2 earlier. Verse 27 and 28. Um, if you're putting it up on the screen, put it up in the NIV. It says, whatever happens, in verse 27, Philippians 1.27, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a ma- manner worthy of the Gospel of Christ. You know, we need to live our lives in such a way that it's worthy of the very sacred high calling that's already been placed on our life. Because we don't want to malign the Gospel. We don't want to malign the good news. We want to live according to the standard of that good news. And make the good news attractive to people by our very lives. So conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one Spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the Gospel. Now check out verse 28 without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. So, absence of fear. So we have people that are walking worthy of the Gospel. They're standing in unity with one another with their eyes on Jesus. Not, not unity in all their opinions. A unity in who Jesus is. All right? Unity in that belief. And, and they're completely unafraid. No fear. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Because there was people opposing them. And he makes this statement. This is a sign to them. What is this sign? Your lack of fear. The way that you live in reverence to God. The way that your unity and your agreement with others on who Jesus is. And this you having no fear is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved in that by God. That's what I just said about the light in you. Right? The light in you convinces and convicts people. The light in you, the, light, the, the fact that you're not living in fear, the fact that you are focused on Jesus, that light on the inside of you will, is a sign. Your lack of fear is a sign to the unbeliever. It, it speaks to them. I like how the, the Woost translation says this in verse 28. says, And do not be terrified in even one thing by those who are entrenched in their opposition against you, which failure on your part to be frightened, (laughs) failure to be frightened. That would make a good t-shirt. Failure to be frightened. Which failure on your part to be frightened is an indication of such a nature as to present clear evidence to them of their utter destruction, also clear evidence of your salvation, and this is from God. What are we talking about? We're talking about your witness. God empowers you to be a witness. In fact, in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, it says this, but you are a chosen race. Someone say, I've been chosen. A royal priesthood. Say, I'm royalty. And I'm a priest. A holy nation. A people for His possession. A people for His possession. And here's why. 
Here's why you're chosen. Here's why you're royalty. Here's why you are a holy nation. A set-apart people for His possession. So that you may proclaim. That's tell. That's declare. Proclaim. Be a witness. Witness to what? The praises of the One who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. This word, praises, is also means excellence and mighty deeds. is part of the meaning of it. Of His excellent mighty deeds. You are called. You are chosen. You're, you're marked as royalty. You've been made a priest unto God Most High. You, all of this so that you can proclaim, you can tell, you can be a witness to the mighty things of excellence that He has done for you. The Let's see here. I'm not a big fan of the Message Bible. In fact, I'm not a big fan of a bunch of the translations that I read you. But all translations have, have errors in them. Just understand that. And have mistakes in them. So be a student of the Word, not a student of a translation. Alright? Here, the Message Bible, he, says it th- he said it this way. He said, you are the ones chosen by God. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. God's instruments to do His work and speak out for Him. To tell others of the night and day difference He made for you. I like that. The night and day difference. We're talking darkness versus light. Once I was blind, but now I can see. That's personal testimony. To tell others of the night and day difference He made for you. From nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. I like that. I went from nothing to something. Rejected to accepted. That's my personal witness account of my life. Say, I am a true witness of what He has done for me. You ever notice how darkness doesn't struggle with light? They didn't come in here tonight and turn the lights on. And a great battle ensued across the room as light and darkness fought and tussled and you know, it, it, light almost prevailed and then darkness pushed back and the lights almost went out. And, and back and finally, light won and here we are. Lights are on. It was none of that. As soon as you turn the light on, darkness is gone. And so, darkness and light don't struggle that way. If darkness, we've been saying this through the series, darkness is just simply an absence of light. But darkness cannot overcome light. The only way darkness gains ground is if light goes out or goes away. Darkness has absolutely no defense against light. There's not even a struggle. But the devil hates light, doesn't he? And so he tries to come up with strategies to get you to go out, to turn your light out, and to to turn away from the Lord and you stop reflecting Him and the light goes out. And what he'll do is he'll try to persecute you. He'll try to tempt you in all kinds of ways. He tries to get you derailed or delighted. Not delighted, but delighted. Yes. No, he's trying to get you to turn away and get your focus off of the Lord and you begin to stop reflecting that light. And now he has something he can work with. Now He can actually come in. Now He can come and and do more damage because the light's out and darkness just has free reign. But if you'll just stay lit, well, that really taps Him off. 
Just stay lit. Just stay bright. Just stay shining. And you won't have to... You know, there's nothing that the devil can do about the light in you. Jesus said, no man takes them out of My hand. Or no thing. The devil cannot take you out of light. You can only remove yourself from light. Alright? And so, stay in His hand. Stay in the light. And, and, and like I said, the devil doesn't have any defense against the light in you. See, God is light. Well, God is love. And think about it with love for a little bit between people. One person can love another person even if they don't want them to. Even if the other person is, no, I hate you. I don't like you. I don't, I'm not, don't love me. Well, you can go right on loving them and there's nothing they can do about it. There's no defense against love. Well, God is love. God is light. There's no defense against light. Too often, we blow up the devil into this huge boogeyman, but if you, we just read in the Scripture, we see that we have all authority over him. And so, our witness, our testimony, you know, what has God done for you? What victory did He give to you in this realm of conquering darkness? So just stay lit. 2 Corinthians 4 probably go just a little bit later than normal because we started later with all the other things that we, we did. 2 Corinthians 4, let's, let's just look here in verse 2. It says, Instead, we have renounced shameful secret things, not walking in deceit or distorting God's message. God's Word. But in God's sight, we commend ourselves to every person's conscience by an open display of the truth. See, love truth. Be an open display of truth. But if in fact our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Regarding them, the God of this age, the God of this world, that's the devil, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel. That's the good news of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. They cannot see. It's not that there isn't light there, but they cannot see the light because they're blind. You get a blind person and bring him into the room, it doesn't matter how many flashlights we shine in his face, he's not going to see the light because he's blind. And so, you and I, when we go and deliver the Word to them, and they're blind, the only way for them to become unblind is by supernatural help. You know when he said, I will empower you to be a witness. That means when you speak and those words come out and hit their ears, that he also is right there to remove the blinders so that they can receive it. So speak your witness in faith that they're going to be able to hear and receive it. Speak. Don't underestimate the power of just sharing that Jesus loves you to somebody. In case no one's told you today, you know Jesus loves you. God, God really loves you. And then walk on. And they go, hmm. No one's told me that before today. Just tell them. I'd tell you kind of a, a funny and a strange story. Um, but my point is, is that you understand. Just give the Gospel a chance. Open your mouth and just start. Just blindly step out and start. You don't even have to have wonderful motives. Paul said, there's people out there preaching just trying to stir up trouble for me, but I don't care because at least the Gospel is being preached. 
Because the power of God is in His Gospel. I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ because why? The power of God is there present in it. I was, I was down in Florida at Kurt Owen's 25th um, ministry celebration. And I arrived there at the hotel late the night before the celebration was supposed to begin. And um, we had a... Uh, well, I came in, it was almost midnight. And I hadn't had any lunch and I hadn't had any dinner because I was racing to make flights and all of this stuff. And, and so I arrive and I'm just famished. Man, I'm hungry. And all restaurants are mostly closed, but here on the grounds of the hotel is a, a restaurant slash bar that was still open. But as I walk in, they're doing last call, and oh, so I quickly ordered some food. And, um, and actually, no, I didn't order food. That was, that was the next night, because I was then praying for someone with cancer. Um, but that night, I didn't order food, so all I, I got was a bottle of water. And I uh, got the bottle of water, and they were having the last call, and I'm walking back out to the door to, to go outside and cross the courtyard to get to the hotel. And as I reach the door, a young lady, probably middle 20s, reaches the door at the same time that I do, and she was coming from the bar. And so, because I'm a gentleman, I held the door open for her, and she goes out, and she's carrying a drink, and, and um, it was at that point that I realized, oh, she's drunk, she's had too much. And so she makes it outside the door and steps aside, and, and I come out, and she hands her drink to me and said, could you hold this for a, for a moment? I'm like, okay, so I held her drink. I didn't check to see if it was coffee. If you were here for the landmark, you understand that story. So, so I hold her drink, and she pulls out a cigarette and begins to try to get it lit. And because she's drunk enough, she's having trouble getting this thing lit. So finally, she's like, could you light it for me? Okay. So now I'm standing out there holding her drink and taking her lighter and lighting her cigarette for her. And I'm thinking to myself, I sure hope, no, because a whole bunch of ministers are coming in for this conference. <laughs> and I'm standing outside going, I sure hope nobody's seeing this. They're going to think, what in the world? And um, so, so I get the thing lit, and because uh, I'm feeling awkward, and so I, I said, you know, start talking to her. I'm like, so, so why are you here? Well, she's for her job, and she's working, and and well, why are you here? She wonders. Well, I'm here for this conference. And I turned around and pointed, and there was a, a big poster on the wall. I mean, bigger than that map of Kurt Owens' face and, and you know, broadcasting the event. I said, well, actually, I'm here for this event. He's a friend of mine, and, and we're going to be there tomorrow. And, and um, so she, and I, and I told her, I said, you know, you should come. And um, we're going to have a great time, and it's, it's like a church service. You should come. And yeah, well, she... Um, wasn't sure about that, and um, in this process, she proceeds to spill her drink all over the place, and so um, because she stepped back and like anyhow dropped her purse and dropped her stuff, and I help her gather her stuff back up, and 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 well now um, she, and you know how drunk people are, they don't have a whole lot of boundaries. They just stand real close. And you step back and they step closer and we're doing laps around the outside the door there in all of this. And, and again, I, I'm going to be as honest as I can. I am really hoping there is no one else that's seeing what's going on here. And so I help her gather her stuff up and get the stuff back to her. And oh, thank you. She's going to give me a hug now. All right, well. 
And now she wants to stay there. So I got hands on her shoulders and I push her back and in desperation to get her to stop. I tell, not because I was so full of compassion and love, not because I was so anointed and holy, but I just need this to stop. And I guarantee you if I start preaching to her, she'll stop. So I say, do you know that Jesus loves you? Oh, that's nice. And wanted to give me another. No, no. I said, that's not what you want. What you, what you want is Jesus. And, and I'm serious. I'm giving her the gospel because I just want you to leave me alone. <laughs> but isn't the power of God in His Word? And um, she goes, well, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know that I believe in Jesus. I believe in, yeah, I think there's a higher power, but I don't know what that is. I said, well... If, you, uh, if, if I could pray for you, you'll experience Him right now. Oh, really? I said, have you, have you, uh, do you know anything about church? Were you raised in church? Yeah, her parents were um, Orthodox. She was from uh, Romania, Poland, somewhere in that whole region. I don't remember exactly which country she was from. And, um, and so she goes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, could you pray for me? And so I prayed for her. I said, here, give me your hands. Took her hands. And I pray, and I pray that the Lord touch her right now. Reveal yourself to her. And I get done with the prayer, and she's like, that, that was amazing. What was that? I said, that was God. I said, would you like to give your life to Him and make Him your Lord and Master and invite Him to be your Lord? She says, yeah, I really would. So here, sit down on this bench. I didn't want any more hugs. And I figured if she's, she's in the bench, that'll keep her, you know, put. And so I sat down and I said, all right, let me explain to you what this means. And I just simply explained what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That you're no longer doing what you want. You do what He wants and what He tells you. And that we're not going to just pray this and then you go on and, and act like you've never met Him before. But This is going to make a difference in your life. Okay, she, she wanted to do that. So I led her in, in a prayer of acknowledging Jesus as Lord of her life and receiving the blood of Jesus to cleanse her. And we get done with the prayer and she's completely sober now. I mean, like just boom. And um, oh, she was so grateful. Thank you so much. That, um, you know, I didn't know I, didn't know I needed that. And, and so we part ways. I go, I go to my room the next day. Oh, well, I invited her to the event. So I told her again, you know, come, be my guest and, uh, and come sit in this event. And so the next, next day at lunchtime, Kurt says to me, he says, hey, do you want to go for lunch? I'm like, sure. He goes, all right, well, meet me down in front of the elevators at such and such a time. So I run to my room and, and um, come back down. And as I'm walking up to the front of the elevators, um, here she comes off of the elevator. And she's pulling her suitcase behind her and is obviously leaving, checking out. And, I, and she sees me and she stops. And I said, hey, are you, are you leaving? She's like, yeah, yeah, she has to go to this next job. And, and, but she's like, uh, she stops and she, because see, I'm thinking, yeah, okay, she was sober, I don't know. Maybe she wasn't. Maybe she was drunk and it really wasn't real. And I'm having this whole conversation in my, in my head, right? And she stops and she goes, hey, I just want to say thank you for last night. Because you have no idea what that means to me and what, how that touched me and the difference it will make for me. 
And I said, well, hallelujah. And um, she went on her way and I went to lunch. My whole point in telling you that is do not underestimate the power of the Gospel. You just simply tell them. And I mean, I didn't do it because I was so full of anointing and, and wanted to get her soul saved. I just wanted her to stop trying to get so close to me. Right? <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Let's go to uh, one more Scripture in John chapter 3. The next night, just to show you how easy these things are, I go into the restaurant and I'm sitting there eating and there's uh, two guys at the bar and the bartender. And I'm overhearing the guy, one of the guys at the bar telling the bartender about uh, his friend who has cancer. And he got better, and now he's got it again, and it doesn't look good. And so, as I, you had to go up to the bar to pay for your check. And so, when I went up there, I stepped up beside this guy, and I said, hey, you know, I wasn't trying to, to uh, eavesdrop on your conversation, but I heard you talking about your friend who has cancer. And, um, you know... I've, I've seen the Lord answer many, many prayers. And could I pray for your friend? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. And so uh, I said, what's your friend's name? And he tells me. And so, so I just loudly, boldly start praying and uh, pray for God to heal him and touch him and encounter him and all these things and say amen. And down the bar, a guy sitting at the bar says amen. The bartender says amen. And everyone in here was praying, Right? But see how easy that is if you just begin to present the love of God and the power of God's present and available to touch, to heal, to deliver. Here in, in, in John chapter 3, let's read verse 19. This then is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices wicked things hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who does the truth, now truth has a name and his name is Jesus, right? So everyone who does or lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. So that his works may be approved by God. Here we are back to light and works. Light and works. And uh, again, reading out of the Passion Translation, verse 21 says, but those who love the truth will... Do you love the truth? Those who love the truth will come out into the light and welcome its exposure. Welcome its exposure. That sounds a whole lot like living in the light and loving it, doesn't it? Welcomes its exposure for the light will reveal that their fruitful works were produced by God. So let's say this. I'm living in the light and I love it. He has made me. He has designed me to be a light in the world. To be a witness of His goodness. And I am a faithful witness in Jesus' name. Well, worship team, you can come. Sorry I didn't give you more time to prepare. And let's worship Him. Let's be doers of the Word. Revealing light everywhere we go. Shining light, I should say, everywhere we go. And the result is going to be Jesus glorified. Father, we present ourselves here before You at Your beck and call. 
Father, we represent you and we're so grateful for all that you've done for us. Thank you for the many miracles that you've given to us. Thank you for the many times you saved us from certain destruction. Thank you for the times you healed us. Father, thank you for all the times that you helped us and got us out of debt and paid our bills and met our needs. Father, thank you for saving us from hell. We bless you, Lord. I bless you. Just say that to the Lord. I bless you, Lord. So, Father, we present ourselves here. We surrender ourselves to you, to your will, to your ways, to your purpose, to walk into the destiny you've created us to be. Jesus, you're awesome. Thank you for laying down your life for me, for all of us. Thank you for going the extra mile, going way past where any other man has ever gone or would have went. Thank you for being obedient to the Father. Jesus, I thank you for loving the Father enough to obey all the way to the cross. And I bless you for it. I'm pleased to call you my king. You deserve it. You deserve all my praise, all my admiration, for you are truly worthy to be our king. And we bless you. Everybody in here that's going to be traveling this week, just lift your hand up real high. I want to see you. All the people traveling, look around the room, hands up all over the place. Jen, get your hand up. We're traveling. I'm going to pray over you specifically for protection and favor as you travel. All right? Father, I just thank you right now that you have given us great authority with your words. You've given us all that we ever need. You've offered us protection and even promised it to us. So Father, over each one of these people that are going to be traveling, I ask you to give them traveling favor. Okay? Favor your favor only the way that you can give it, but Lord, cause things to go well for them. I ask for you to protect them the entire way to their destination and back again. Lord, I thank you that you send angels with them to protect them, to guard them, that no harm would come to them, that no strategy of the enemy, no plan of the enemy will come to pass. I cancel every plan of the enemy over you that are traveling and over you that are at home. I cancel these plans in Jesus' name and I loose upon you the plan and destiny of God the purposes of God. I loose upon you the favor and grace of God and He is with you and in you and will take you there safely in the name of Jesus. This week. And so let's just pray for them. In fact, most of them leave in the morning first thing. But let's lift them up. Father, I thank you 
for bringing them here with us. I thank you, Lord, that you take them back safely, that you unite them all back at home safely. Father, I thank you that you meet all of their needs, every bill paid, every healing healed, everything met in Jesus' name. And Lord, empower them in fresh and new ways. Empower them as they go back and, and the people that are with them and alongside them. Grant them signs, wonders, miracles as they preach your name. And I thank you for it. Confirm your word in Jesus' name. Let's just say this together. I'm blessed. blessed. I am the head. And not the tail. Not the tail. I am more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. And Jesus is my Lord. I belong to Him, and not to myself. I serve His purposes. I accomplish His purposes. I do the work that He sent me to do, and I bear His name gladly. And He is glorified. Well, amen. Well, you're at church. At Yes. Yes, absolutely. I don't get to say yes to you too often to share scriptures here. I love you guys so much. And I just want to read a scripture verse in John 15, 4. It says, remain in me and I will remain in you. And it continues on. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. I just want to just that part remain in me and I will remain in you and you know a lot of times there's different things that's going on in this world I mean all the time there's things you know there's political things there's things in our families there's things in our extended families you know and I just want to encourage you that in the midst of everything that's going on keep your eyes on him don't be looking to the right. Don't be looking to the left. You know, don't be looking at other people's ministries. Don't be looking at, you know, just keep your eyes on him. You know, in the midst of everything that's happening politically and, and with Corona, keep your eyes on him, you know, and remain in him. This is one of the things I feel like while we're there in northern Iraq that's helping to just to sustain us, you know, just staying in him. And um, I, we are so blessed by all of you. And I know you guys are blessed by each other. And I just feel like as the Father looks on you, Pastor Jay, like he's saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Like he's so proud. He's so proud of you guys' hearts, you, the youth, you guys just loving Jesus. Pastor Sydney, all of you, as you're there, you know, in the nations that you're coming from, God is smiling and he's so proud of you. And he's just saying, just remain in me. Don't, don't even step out for a moment from being out of that place of just being in His presence. Continue to stay in that place of abiding in Him. Amen? He's going to help you with all of the details, you know, back in Colorado and wherever your feet go. He is with you. And I know that they've been sharing a lot of that this, you know, this past week. Every single moment, He is with you. And so just be aware of His presence. You know, be aware of that. And so, yeah, that's all I just wanted to say. Awesome. See, when you saturate, you just turn into a river and it comes out, right? Well, one way that we love God is how in this house. So take the time to do that. Love on each other. Don't enter into strife, but just stay looking at Jesus, right? The author and finisher. That's right. We have a time of fellowship downstairs. Everyone is invited to that as well.
Good evening, everyone. Oh, there's joy in the house tonight. Amen? Praise the Lord. Glad that you're all here. We still have company from Colorado and body of Christ together. It's so beautiful. I would like to encourage you in your worship tonight from the Word of God. And this is going to be in Psalms 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully. Let us shout joyfully. Yeah, there it is. Being a doer of the word right there. To the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Yes, for the Lord is a great, great God and the great king above all gods. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are his people. Aren't you so glad that you belong to the family of God? Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Listen to that command. Just proclaim the good news of, sal of salvation every single day. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Give to the Lord, O families of the people. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts and worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Well, let's stand together as the family of God and let's be doers of the word and offer our worship to him. Jesus, Jesus, the well of living water welling up within each one of us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Say, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Greater is he that lives in you than he that is in the world. Jesus, alive in me. Isn't that so beautiful to meditate on that truth? It is the truth. For every born-again child of God that accepts Jesus to come into their life, to be Savior, to be Lord. He lives and dwells within you, accessible to you every moment of every day. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus, our living Lord and living Savior. We're so grateful, so grateful, the living truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He is the living, the one true God. Amen. Glory to God. Well, one way we love God here is by loving one another. But don't dismiss anyone. We're going to have a beautiful baby dedication with Mike and Sarah Freedy. Would you like your whole family to come up? That'd be beautiful. Come on up. We're going to dedicate their newest edition to the Lord today. This is our beautiful family that comes all the way from Wisconsin. Let's give them a hand. 
Well, hallelujah. I don't think this is the first time we've done this, is it? <laughs> Beautiful family. Now, what does the name Shasta mean? Shasta May. So we, Here, let's uh, use the mic. Um, so we had, this time, had gotten some verses from the Lord to kind of emphasize for her over the years from Isaiah 54. And after that, because often we'll get like a name first, but it happened kind of opposite. So the verses kind of came, and then the Lord reminded us, we have, over the past year, been able to go a couple places. One of them was out to Bethel in California. And... Uh, after that, the Lord reminded me of a common word out there, Shasta. And all it was was he encouraged us to add the beautiful name to the beautiful calling that she has. So that's what we went with. Awesome. Awesome. Well, the way we, you're familiar with it, most of you are here too, but for those of you that do not uh, come here regularly, I'll just explain a little bit what we're going to do. I'm going to step over this way, and um, I'm going to ask a series of questions of, of you two, and you can just answer, we do, all right? And then I'm going to ask a couple questions to us as a congregation, and you can answer, we do. You know, we recognize that God is the giver of life and that when He entrusts us with a little one, with new life, right, that's a tremendous responsibility. And so um, there is coming a day where she'll have to make her own choices and, but, and, and to receive and to stay within the love of God. But until then, until that day of of commitment that she can make because she's accountable of that age until that time what we're going to pray out and what we'll say and even beyond this is just the beginning is going to stand so Mike Sarah do you desire that Shasta will grow in the fear and admonition of the Lord do you promise to provide for Shasta a Christian home where God is honored and his word is taught Mike and Sarah, do you pledge yourselves to live in such a way that your words and actions will commend Jesus and His church to Shasta May? Do you promise that you will be a spiritual guide for Shasta, praying and watching for the day when she will be ready to receive Christ as personal Lord and Savior? All right, people of God. Do you, the people of God in this church, covenant with these parents to provide a loving church home for Shasta? We do. Yes, we do. Do you promise to continue teaching the Bible in this church so that Shasta will never lack hearing the truth of God's Word? We do. We do. Yes, yes, and yes. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray over her. Father, I thank you for the gift of life in Shasta. Lord, I thank you. We dedicate her to you. Even right now, Lord, 
And we look to the day that she'll make that choice on her own to serve you. And so, Father, I ask by your Spirit to just come upon her, to overshadow her in every way. I thank you for your divine protection, angelic protection of her every day of her life. Lord, thank you, too, that there's gifts and callings you've placed within her. And so, Father, we commit her to you for your service, for your glory. And, Father, I ask, too, that you just give Mike and Sarah the wisdom that they need to raise these to raise Shasta and all their children. Lord, give them understanding that is so supernatural that it just overcomes problems before they even arise. I thank you, Lord, for vision. Yeah, vision to see what you see. To prepare like you want them to prepare and that they raise up a mighty army for you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Did you have anything you wanted to say or pray out in particular? Okay, good. This is a gift for you guys. And you may be seated. So, during this last week, during the landmark, we had some uh, question cards come in. So I'm just going to answer one of them right now because it has to do with what we just did. And that is new life. And we've understood the significance of being born again and the need for that as adults, recognizing that by default we are all born into, um, we could call it a sin nature. And once you become born again, you no longer have a sin nature. You simply have a born again spirit. You're a child of God. You have flesh still to deal with, right? And so between flesh and in your born-again spirit, you have to decide which one you're going to follow, right? Be spirit-led and you won't follow the desires of the flesh is what the Word says. So the question was this. <clears throat> Shane Berger was the one that asked the questions, but the problem was he wrote in tongues. So <laughs> I'm going to try to give the translation to it. Is Shane in here? He's downstairs. Okay, we'll have to tell him I answered his question. It says, if, if we were all born into sin, because by default, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? So if we've all been born into sin, does that make our children spiritually dead when born? Or once they sin, do they need born again? And so to answer that question, I'm going to just very quickly show you a scripture out of Romans chapter 7. We believe that little children's spirits are alive to the Lord and that they remain that way until they reach the age of accountability at which point they have to make a decision to follow the Lord or not and if they don't follow the Lord then at that point we could say they have spiritually died all right but until that day comes I believe that their spirits alive to the Lord because the Lord Jesus said that you know, become like one of these little ones to enter the kingdom of God. And in Romans 7, Paul uses himself as an example. And if you look down into... Let's start in, uh, in verse 9. He was talking here about how awareness, the law brings awareness, and awareness of sin, what sin is. And once you understand what sin is, 
that produces death in you. So in verse 9, Paul says, Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. So Paul wrote this about himself. So Paul was very much alive when he wrote this. Paul was not dead. Paul was alive, right? So he said, I died. So what kind of death is he talking about? Spiritual Spiritual death, that's right. So he said, once I was alive. Well, that's before he was born again. So once I was alive when I was little. That's when. When I was a baby. When I was a little child. Once I was alive, but when the commandment came, or we could say when understanding of the commandment came, that's the age of accountability, then sin sprang to life and I died. So now he needed to be born again. The commandment that was meant for life resulted in death for me. For sin seizing seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me. So we know that Paul is talking spiritual death and that he then experienced spiritual new birth. And so we believe that these little ones, that they're alive to the Lord, if a little one would die at birth or, or die as, as a young child, that they absolutely will go to be, be with Jesus and are there just ahead of us. Glory, hallelujah. We have a little one that's living in heaven. And um, I'm quite confident that when we finally get to, uh, get to see each other, it's going to be a really, really great reunion. So, we answer that question. Someone tell Shane, go listen to the recording so that he hears it. And um, you can be, we'll, we'll release the children to Children's Church and the teachers. And while they're going, the rest of you can stand up and hug someone, welcome them, tell them you're glad to see them. Well, welcome everyone again. We're so glad you're here tonight when we're expecting good things. Are you expecting good things? I know I am. It's been a great week. You know, for those of us that were at the Landmark Conference this week, I think we could all agree it's just been an amazing week, and we were really blessed. Well, is there anyone here for the very first time? We'd like to welcome you. If this is your first time to Church of the Word International, Lancaster. Anyone? All right. Over there. Oh, we're here. Well, welcome. We're so glad you're with us. I trust you're going to hear the truth of the word tonight, and it's going to bless your heart. All right, well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord this evening. Um, Anyone need a cash envelope for your giving? Raise your hand. The ushers will see that you get it. Now, I've asked Pastor Jay from Colorado to bring the tithe message, but before I call him up here, I'm going to go over the announcements. And we just want to say a big thank you to... All of you in the HELPS ministry, all the behind-the-scenes workers, we had many, many of you from, from helping with meals. I saw people going around with trash bags, cleaning up. You know, there's a side of the conference that just always blesses me every time I see it. And it's, you know, the Word is amazing. The, the rich Word stirs your soul, feeds your spirit, and, and that's and, that amazing. We're all blessed by that. But, you know, I see these behind-the-scenes things. I see people praying for one another. I see people rejoicing and telling each other about their lives. I see people crying with each other, helping each other, saying, how can I pray for you? Kids playing, you know, people ministering to children. You know, I see 
sometimes some repentance happening and, and some forgiveness extended. You know, we all get opportunities to walk in love in these kind of situations. But I saw the body of Christ in motion from the forefront details to the obscure details. The body of Christ in motion, one big family, and isn't Jesus wonderful? So, th so grateful for everyone that helped. All right, a couple more things. So at CityGate, um, this month is going to be on July 11th, the second Sunday instead of the first. If you are planning to go, contact Karen Burroughs. Sign-up sheet is in the back. And uh, youth and young adults, we do have, we have youth impact tomorrow night. Is that correct? And that's at the building. Right. So at the building tomorrow, this is Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> tomorrow night at 6 at the building, um, but mark your calendar for Monday, July 12th. So not Sunday, Monday, July 12th. Um, it's just working out for schedules better that way, so just know that in advance and mark your calendar. All right, Pastor Jay has a word for us, exhorting us in, in returning the tithe, so I'm going to hand the mic to him. Hallelujah. <clears throat> So Jen said she gave me four to five minutes, so who else gives me four to five minutes? Four to five minutes. Eight to ten. Uh, Fifteen, twenty, twenty, twenty-five. We got an auction. I got an hour, Sid. <laughs> it's, it always works. I, I stole him. He's from the guy right there in the third row. Now he labels my jokes and holds up signs, right? <clears throat> it is really good to be with everybody here. Uh, we had, you heard it already, uh, we had a week of saturation. And um, it, if, if you ever have an opportunity to do that, please do that. I think it is, uh, we've learned to do it because of coming here for a week. We're committed, right? And uh, I have the third week in June marked off in my calendar into eternity. As far as Google allows it to happen, that week is busy. <laughs> so, and I encourage you to do that because there's so many things that you learn and you just, the, the saturation of that word coming into your spirit. But let's open our Bibles to Philippians 4.19. I was asking the Lord what to share and I had all kinds of awesome stories and um, <clears throat> then when uh, we had the baby dedication, <coughs> I felt the Lord just really quicken in me something that we learned from the Freedies. And with their permission, I'd like to share uh, how we go through Philippians 4.19. 4.19 says, and my God, you can probably quote it with me. Let's say it together. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we have it memorized. So now how do we put this into practice? And one of the things we've been blessed with is, is the Freedies coming out. And one of the ways that we have practiced this in real everyday life is we've laid out our budget. And we said, well, we're going to spend this much money on, on groceries and this much money for electric and this much money. We had our need. That's our need list, right? Well, how many like God's multiplier? He, he's a God of multiplication, right? I mean, five loaves, two fishes. 
and groups and groups and groups and groups of 50 that they seeded, right? And they had five loaves and two fishes. And you run it through as multiplier and they had more than enough, right? So something that we began to do, I'm encouraging myself in this, <coughs> to even do it even more. <clears throat> something we began to do is take what we already make and budget out one, uh, a month in a month and we go through and we begin to sow in other people's lives in those areas. And I'm here to tell you that this verse is true. So maybe you don't have enough for your electric bill. I, I, I can tell you how to get enough. Amen? Maybe you don't have enough for groceries. Well, if you go through this, this is a promise God said. And I, I know Apostle Dale said this many times. It's also a promise that you will have a need. Excuse me. You also have a, it's also a promise that you'll have needs. And something I also found out from Kenneth Copeland is stop waiting and playing defense and waiting till needs crop up in your life. Go out on the offensive and with vision, you'll get a need. <laughs> you'll get a need. You know, um, a little over a year ago, I'm praying in, at the church, and the Lord began to impress on my spirit that we're to feed the poor there in the area, and we're to bring, uh, bring a, um, a truckload of, of food boxes to the Delta, Colorado area. And it happened so fast, I couldn't find a way to back out, because things just started to, to snowball and work, and some of the people here helped me, and... Uh, um, before you know it, we had uh, bless, working with Blessings of Hope here in Lancaster, and uh, we were able to take a, uh, a thousand boxes of food and, and distribute to the people there in Delta. And, and um, well, you know, when was the last time you took or you bought groceries for a thousand families? That's what we were doing. We, we were buying 40 pounds of food because we had to truck it all the way out there and then distribute it. And I didn't know how to pay for it. And I just decided, I went to this verse. And I'm like, well, Lord, um, you said it was your idea to begin with. You're telling me to do this. And, and, and now we need to step out in faith. And we're going to believe that these things are paid. And see, I, I, was, I didn't wait Till I had, uh, and that doesn't mean that this can't ever happen to me, but I put myself out there and decided I'm going to be obedient on something God wanted me to do, and I didn't know where God was ending up with it. So instant obedience, we learned this last week, and we ended up uh, bringing that uh, truckload, and, and, and the first one went well, so we brought a second one, and we had to use our faith to get them passed out. And, uh, and, and what we found out is some of these towns weren't ready for a thousand boxes and, and the marketing to get a thousand people there for a thousand boxes, uh, people didn't find out about it. Well, I got a phone call, uh, from, from a gentleman that I used to know. And, um, through that phone call, he, he was wanting to know how to get in on it. And I said, well, we, we can bring a thousand boxes down there. He's a pastor in, in Durango now. And through that conversation, the Lord, because we were obedient in one area in our life, 
And this is what I really want to, want to get. When you believe, step out and believe God that your needs are met and believe him. He can do amazing things. We ended up purchasing a property, our house that we now live in, because we were obedient in bringing a truckload of food to the western slope of Colorado. That's God. Because we just stepped out and we decided we're going to believe this verse. And I, I just took this verse and said, you know what? Here, Lord, this is the, it's your idea. You said you're going to meet my need and I'm, just going, to, I'm going to be crazy enough to believe you. And we did that. And I, that's just what I wanted to leave with you. To, uh, maybe you're in a place where you're, you're just beginning. You're not believing for a thousand bucks. Maybe it's just some things. It's okay. You can take Philippians 4.19 and apply it to your situation. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray over this offering. I believe uh, the ushers will pass out uh, um, as soon as we're done praying. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. And, Father, that um, your promises never fail. And, Father, we just thank you for the promises that you have given to us, that we can, a, a God that has never lied, and we can just put it and believe it. And, Father, we thank you for this promise. And if there's anybody here that, has, uh, that does not have enough but is willing to believe, you will perform your, job, your, your work, Lord. And we know that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Someone say, my needs are met by my giving. True story. I think probably many of us in here could give many, many stories of it working exactly like that. So thank you, Pastor Jay, for the sharing with us. And... Um, if you are new in this house and you're wondering, well, who's Pastor Jay? Pastor Jay pastors our sister church out in Colorado. That church was planted back in 2009 with the help of Apostle Dale in this church. And um, fast forward a number of years and here we are. We have a wonderful group from Colorado here with us, so a special welcome to all of you. We also have uh, very special guests with us. All the way from the other side of the world, the Mirabellas. And um, as you know, we talk about them often, and this is the last weekend of the month, so on the last weekend of the month, we always take a missions offering, and um, you guys give it into all kinds of missions all around the world, and 100% of it all goes to that, those places. We don't keep any of it, and just make sure that you designate on your where you want it to go and uh, if there's no place that you know of where you want it to go but you want to be involved in missions you can just leave it blank and it'll go into our general mission fund and then be dispersed from there but I've asked he would come and give us an update and tell us about the work they're doing and what's going on you know what has God done what are you believing for and then we'll take the missions offering after that Well, hello everyone. It is really such a, it's such a blessing to be here. We feel so full. 
Um, I am so grateful to the Lord because there is no better way to go back to what we do than what just happened. Um, and to be here. Um, this church is more of a blessing to us than you know. Um, your prayers, your support, um, you have been with us in a way that we haven't experienced really from anyone else. Um, the relationships that we have here, the interest that you've shown, um, the sensitivity to the Spirit in times of need. This church has been a tremendous strength for us. Um, I actually leave tomorrow morning, and I'll be going back with my oldest son and daughter. And uh, I am thrilled to be part of this family in a new way. But uh, God is so good. Um, this August will be three years that we're there already. Time is going so quickly. The last time here, I believe it was around August of last year, um, she was telling you about the NGO that the Lord had put on our heart. And you've probably heard testimonies a little bit here and there. <clears throat> Maybe we've shared with you. But uh, just very briefly, in um, <clears throat> December of 2019, the Lord put two things very strongly on our heart. One was to start our own NGO, our organization there. Um, that way we can, it was a platform for us to minister in the country. The second thing was community center. At the time, both of which were so far beyond us. We were a small team learning our way in a new country, but we said yes, and started off to filling out paperwork to do the things, and then COVID hit. What's impossible for man is so possible for the Lord, because in the middle of government lockdown, everything being closed, the Lord continued to open doors. Um, all the way through to the Lord putting on our heart to come get on the plane and fly here when airports were closed. And we got online and purchased the ticket for, and the airports opened for a couple days. She got on the plane, landed here in America. We didn't know. People were like, how is she going to get back? You might be separated for a long time. Like, well, the Lord told us to do it. So he got away, yeah. And so got here and was able to get all the paperwork filled out. And just after, I think, her being here, went to Washington, D.C., and stood in front of the knocking on a locked door. And she knocked until someone opened it. <laughs> and she explained the situation to them, and they were like, listen, we're closed. You have to mail everything. And she said, I know, but... The Lord touched this man's heart. He welcomed her in, stamped all the paperwork that she needed, and handed it back to her. <laughs> God is so good. God is so good. We purchased, I mean, there's, I can share for a long time just on the testimonies of what he did to make this possible, get her on a plane, get her back, opening airports, giving her a passport. Um, she landed. We were on full lockdown. Not even government can travel between cities. And secret police friends heard she was coming and opened up a path and went and dropped her off at our door. Just amazing things. As soon as all of that happened, contacts us and say, says, um, if you guys had a community center, what would you do with it? <laughs> we quickly wrote down the things that the Lord put on our hearts, and they handed a community center to us. Them and the, before them had invested a quarter of a million dollars in a place, and they couldn't keep it anymore. And the Lord, they, as, as we're sitting there signing paperwork, the man's explaining, okay, and this is how much you're going to need to run it. This is what it's going to cost every month. And I was just smiling because we didn't have a dime for it, but the Lord put it in our heart and he's doing it. And so, <laughs> 
God is so, so good. And I just thank you so much for your prayers. In the beginning of January, the community center was opened, and we've been running programs there now. We're right in the middle of a camp of 25,000 people. We're running 14 programs a week right now. And God is just, it's a tremendous door into the hearts and lives of these people to be able to share the love of Jesus. Um, maybe before I go on, you share, come up real quick and just share. Um, yeah, your part in that. I think that would be special to hear from you. Hello, everybody. It's so lovely to be with you guys. And first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for all your prayers. Because each and every prayer, God moves mightily. And yeah, he's moving in amazing ways. And as you guys heard this testimony of how this whole came together, it's just a little glimpse of how much more God is going to do. And so um, I felt God call me to go work um, with the team and my parents there. And it's just been so fun and so amazing just seeing all that God is doing. Um, there at the community center, we teach English, um, volleyball, sewing classes. And it's so fun because one of the things God has put on my heart is dance. And so I've been able to just pour into these girls and build a relationship with them by teaching dance. And also another amazing thing is I really have a heart for girls in work trafficking. And um, God opened this door for me to just go over by them with another friend of mine and just, yeah, build relationships with them. And it's just so sad just seeing, like, the situation they're in. And many of these girls um, come from Ghana or Asia, and they get their passports taken away from them, their phones, they can't call their family, and they have to work for these people until they pay the amount that they need. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just been so cool. The more we've been able just to go visit them, how God has been softening their hearts and actually showing himself to them, um, there's this one girl, an Asian girl, she tried to escape, and when she escaped, the police caught her and brought her to the owner, and the guy, he beat her up, he slapped her ear, and her eardrum popped, and she couldn't hear anymore from one of her um, ears, and I was like, well, I believe that God can heal, so can we pray for you? And she's like, yes, you can, and so we prayed for her, and we didn't see an immediate result. Um, but we told her that we would keep on praying because we believe that Jesus can heal. And a couple months went by. We saw her, and she still, like, yeah, we didn't see any result. But one day she came up, and she said, thank you so much for your prayers because God has healed me. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so even I just want to encourage you with that. Though we may not see immediate results, God is moving and God is working and revealing himself. And so as we are faithful and just even, yeah, stepping out in faith, God is, um, will reveal himself. Amen. 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 Uh, no, there are a lot of hard things happening over there, but in the midst of it, like I said, the Lord is doing a tremendous work. And in the last couple months, there have been five people who got baptized at our house. We have a number of young uh, guys and girls who are interested in Jesus, who are reading the Bible and are praying. And we just feel so encouraged because, like she said, we feel like it's just the beginning. We feel like we're right on the edge of things just breaking loose. 
And uh, since we've been here in this meeting, we've been encouraged to dream bigger. And it stirred things that have been in our heart for a very long time and put, built our faith in a new way. And so just, uh, yeah, as you continue to pray for us, the Lord has put in our heart to try and start an orphanage. And you are the first people we're telling about this. It's been something that seems impossible, but we are trusting and believing that the Lord's going to work miracles in this. Um, so by the time we see you next time, we are uh, anticipating being able to share about this place. Um, when we go back, our, one of our main pushes also will be get, to get a branch of this where we already have connections with orphanages and have been ministering to these children. Again, church, we just thank you so much. We are so excited and uh, look, also look forward to seeing some of you come visit us. So, yes, thank you for having us. Thank you for standing with us. We love you guys. Hallelujah. Well, we are going to take the missions offering. So if you would like to uh, give to any, any of the places you have been committed to giving to, um, certainly do that. You also have opportunity to um, sow into the ministry there. In, and so... Just make out your checks to CWI like you normally do, but designate it in the memo field where you'd like it to go. Do you need an envelope? If you need one, raise your hand. The ushers will bring one to you. And while they're doing that and you're preparing it, I'm just going to read to you or talk to you a little bit about a scripture. You know, if you were here with us at the Landmark, you heard Apostle Dale talking about the word apostle or the word missionary, and that the word missionary actually comes from the word apostle, and um, what it means is a sent one, a sent one. So when you, ha you send a missionary somewhere, they're an apostle, they're a missionary, they're a sent one. But Jesus made the statement, he said, the messenger, the sent one, isn't greater than the one who sent them. And sometimes for you and I that stay here, and finance these works all around the world, we, it's easy for us to think, well, I'm not really involved with it because I'm here and they're over there. And Well, if you are enabling them financially, you are very involved. In fact, Jesus said this was at the washing of the disciples' feet. He washes their feet, you know the story, and then he sits back and he teaches them and he says, do you realize what I've done for you? And he makes this statement that the messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. Well, that word messenger is the word apostle. It's the word sent one. So the sent one isn't greater. Yeah, we think Stephen and John are great, but you're too great. You also are great. Maybe that would be a better way to say it. See, because as you enable them, as you enable the other ministries that you're giving into, you have a share, is the language the Bible uses, a share in the work and in the reward. So not only is the Lord watching and keeping track of what you do, right, and it returns to you and increases and multiplies, but in the same way, I believe that your crown, your soul winner's crown is also affected by enabling a sent one. So take a hold of your uh, offering and let's pray over it. Father, I thank you that you are the God of more than enough, that you are a God of abundance. So Father, I right now call in an abundant harvest of finances to our missionaries all around the world, the different places that, that we've been sowing into. I lift each one of these places up to you. Lord, I ask for your divine enablement for them, that you bring the finances to them that they need, that every bill is paid, 
that every need is met, that they are fully equipped to do every good work. And Father, we speak blessing over those places. We declare them full of peace, full of, of, of prosperity, full of your presence in every way. Lord, I ask for your spirit to come on them and in them and that you will be glorified. And Lord, we ask you to, we remind you of your promises. And as we give to you, Lord, we just expect that we're going to receive a full reward from you. And we look to you for it in Jesus' name. And amen. Where the ushers can pass the baskets again. If you're new with us and you go, man, do they always take two offerings? No, sometimes three. <laughs> Hallelujah. Were you blessed by this week? Wow. It's like drinking from a fire hose and having the ability to retain it. It just comes bubbling out of you. Even next week, you'll see that. It's just there. There's a residue, an overflow. And when you get into what the Lord is doing and saturate in it, because that's what, that's what happens is you, you know, when dry ground takes in water, the soil actually expands. And then along comes more water, and there's this saturation effect, and it goes deep into the soil. And all those things down there, the root systems of all these plants, begin to take in this water. And, and you and I, we've been in a saturation state. And so we're not going to just go out of here all muddy and soggy, but we're going out of here and able to grow, right? The, the, the saturation isn't just for us to be content and happy. No, it's to actually grow and be a doer of the Word. And we have a house full of doers of the word. Want to rejoice? Um, we got the offering for them. Did you remember that night when they got so blessed? They came and threw the money at their feet, like in the Bible. Hallelujah! <laughs> Woo! Money for them to bless them, enable them. Hallelujah! <laughs> God is good. 